Do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad. Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost. Why wait? Text hello to 51777 or visit kingsbridgeprivatehospital.com for further information. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Good evening and welcome to Country Life. I'm Sinead Hubble and I'm filling in for MJ Cleary again this week. But don't worry, he will be back next Wednesday night from 7. Coming up tonight, there are calls to increase the driving hours to ensure grain can be brought in. So session planning, have you thought about the future of your farm? And we look ahead to Moat Agri Show, which is taking place this weekend. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by texting or sending a WhatsApp to 083 30 10 103, which is powered by the Lamb Brothers Toyota on the Arden Road in Tullamore. But first, let's meet the Westmead man who is just back from competing at the Agro competition. This puts students in the green sector through their paces and uh, to find out their farming skills and knowledge. Good evening Wayne Smith. How are you doing? Hello Sinead, thanks for having me. Thanks very much for joining us in studio this evening. First of all, tell us what is the agro competition? Uh, So the agro competition is, um, uh, it's a European competition with uh, European countries and they just do tasks so they do like farming tasks so stacking bales changing blades on a mower um, so There's a long list of tasks that you had to do and like some of them were incredibly interesting as well um, like changing wheels log splitting apple peeling What's that about? Yeah so apple peeling yeah so I suppose that one was a bit of fun I suppose like we met up like twice during the summer like our team like the Ireland team met up during the summer and I suppose that's the one that we were sort of trying to practice. We couldn't really practice the apple peeling like we were more at home like every day get up and try and peel an apple and try and practice as much as possible. (laughs) So what did they judge you on then when it came to apple peeling? So apple peeling, so sort of judged like, so it was time, so it was how long it took you to peel uh, the apple but it was also about length so trying to get the longest piece of apple and uh, task was the longest overall one so out of all the countries out of four apples the longest piece altogether. Wow how did you do then that or did you have to do that one yeah we did that one we all participated and I suppose we came I'd say we came eight or ninth I'd say in that one it wasn't really our strongest one <laughs> but there was more serious skills uh, there as well uh, tractor driving with the water tank rolling bales down a defined path making beehive frames. So it was really kind of putting you through your paces in all skill sets that you may need on a farm. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Now, beehive making is probably not that big over here in Ireland either. But now I suppose I don't really know much about it. But yes, beehiving yeah, was something different as well. And it was great to experience something like that as well. It's trying to make a beehive and it's great. <laughs> so how do you make a beehive? So I suppose the competition was that it came flat-packed. So all you had to do was put the pieces together and then nail it in together. And then you had to stick the wire in and then you had to crunch the wire. So you had to tension the wire. But the worst thing about when we were in Slovakia was we were the quickest time making the frames, but the wire broke on our second frame. That slowed you down a good bit. Yeah, it slowed us down, but we still did well. We still didn't come last in that task, so we still did good overall. 
Now, one that I would be absolutely terrible at is getting animal alive weight. Yeah, so it actually wasn't cattle or sheep. Well, I suppose there was sheep there, but um, we had to guess the weight of a horse, uh, a goose and a chicken. Oh, right. So they really put you through your paces. Oh, they completely tested us, yeah. And the horse was a little pony. So we we were guessing she was about 280, but she was 240 overall. So, look, I suppose it's a guessing game as well, isn't it? So while they had some of the more serious ones like stacking round bales, which you need to know, there was a bit of fun uh, element to it then as well. Yeah, so there was it was two pallets wide and you had to stack as many bales. So you had four square bales and that was your base. And then you had to stack up as many as you could. Now, we got 16 bales high before it fell over. Um, but there was other countries there that were getting 30 bales. But like they were, that was like something that they would do in their country. Like It's something that they would do, stack bales on a trailer and try and transport them. But um, I suppose we did well in that as well, I suppose, before it fell. <laughs> Great experience for you to go and test out all these skills and try and compete. How many other countries were you competing against? Uh, there was 18 countries overall, so uh, they were all over Europe. And what medals did you manage to take home? Uh, so we took home silver in uh, driving with a water tanker. So it wasn't actually a tractor driving with a water tanker. It was a telehandler. So a tele, uh, well not telehandler, it was a teleporter. So you had to stick your um, forks into the pallet and the pallet had a bucket of water on. And you had to drive around this course as quickly as possible and as much water in the bucket as possible. Um, and the course wasn't just a straight line or go around in circles or anything. It was bumps and reversing and everything was in it. So I suppose we did well overall become second in that. And when you're a student in Gorteen College, but you're not from a farming background at all. So how did you end up in Gorteen? Um, yeah, so I actually don't come from a farm. Yeah, so I suppose, as they say, you fall in love with hardship. <laughs> um, so uh, I went and got my leaving cert and then COVID was there and I was got, given the opportunity to go and work on a farm and I worked on a farm for two years, a dairy farm, 180 cows. And I suppose I learned so much working on the dairy farm. I wanted to go and fo- um, I wanted to go and follow a career in agriculture. So I decided last year to go to Gartine College. So that's what I'm doing now at the minute. So what is the plan then for the future? Are you going to try and get your own farm or go to work for someone? Uh, at the minute, no, I don't think uh, agriculture is very uh, good for younger people in my opinion like you know there's not enough opportunities out there for people to get into agriculture at my age and I suppose like they're doing great things like like they're doing great things for um, apprenticeships I've seen that they're doing apprenticeships now on farms and there is the green source and all that but I don't believe there's enough for younger people to get into farming like myself that don't have a farm and don't know anything about agriculture but like agriculture and what is the first thing a farmer looks for when he's looking for an employee. He's looking for experience. And you can't and get it without getting the job. You can't get the job without experience. Yeah, so that's the worst thing, in my opinion, that farmers need to encourage people like myself to have a small bit of 
interest in agriculture and try and drive on that. And there is such a lack of labour on farms also. And farmers are getting stressed and annoyed at the minute as well. And, you know, like I'm working in with the Farm Relief at the minute. I work as a coordinator in at the Farm Relief. And farmers are nearly ringing up and they're nearly, they don't know what to do because they can't find help. And it's absolutely, it's mad the way it's going because it's going to push all farmers out of farming altogether and there'll be a lack of food. Like there realistically is going to be a lack of food in the future. And I don't know what way, I don't know what way it's going to end up because even with the restrictions and everything coming in as well, like there's regulations coming in every every minute like and it's just going to push the older farmer out of it altogether and the younger people won't want to do it. And for yourself, how difficult did you find to gain the knowledge, given the fact that you didn't come from a farming background or have any dealings with uh, dairy cattle? You know, that must have been a huge learning curve for you. It was huge. It was an absolute huge learning curve to be absolutely not really knowing where my stake came from to actually knowing where it came from in the end. Like, I suppose it was very hard for me to try and get into that and... When you get in, you can't really get out, but you have to fall in love with it, as they say. And I suppose I fell in love with it. But again, trying to get into it is the hardest bit. And only for my girlfriend getting the, giving me the opportunity nearly to giving like her uncle getting the job off her uncle. Like so, it was actually that's the only reason I really got into agriculture. And what area of farming are you interested in then? Um, I'd be very interested in it all. So tillage, beef. Dairy. Now I love dairy. I think dairy, dairy is the best out there. It's, realistically, that's the only way you're going to make your money, really. But with the price of milk this year at thirty-four cent a litre, it's absolutely mad as well. Because of last year, it was what nearly a euro last year, and it's after falling. So a lot of dairy farmers put a lot of money in last year, and they're sort of taking the hint this year that it's not going to go back up again. So it's not really great, really, to be honest. <laughs> And let's just talk a little bit about Gorteen College then. What what uh, classes are you doing down there? What what are you learning down there? Um, so just with my Gorteen experience. So before I chose Gorteen, I looked at Mount Bellew and I looked at Ballyhayes. And I, to be honest, I wasn't really, I was more in time to go to Ballyhayes because it was near enough closer to me. But I went to Gartine because when I went down to the open day, I felt like I was part of a family and they wanted the best for me. And I suppose Gartine is, I will have the higher praise for Gartine. It's the best college, in my opinion, and they want the best for you and they'll do everything for you to thrive. And I suppose we will go. you go down to Gartine and you do still have eight weeks of work placement as well during the calving period. And I did my placement actually down on the college and it was a great experience. I would recommend it to anyone to go and get their green start because it's great to have. And Wayne, would you recommend um, for people to go forward for the agro uh, challenge and to take part in that? 110%. It was a great experience. I got a phone call last March and I was asked, Wayne, do you have any interest in going to Slovakia to represent Ireland? And I said, I said, yes. I says, please. I says, I have, I will do that. No problem. And it was great. Like even like FBD, FBD sponsored the whole thing. Not a penny did we have to pay. So I suppose thanks for, thanks to FBD for sponsoring everything and giving us food and everything over there. So it was great. 
And I, I suppose it was a, a chance to experience how farmers do it elsewhere in other countries and to, to build up a little bit of knowledge exactly. and take experience from them. Exactly, exactly. So I suppose like when we went over first, like I suppose like even uh, socialising after the event. So we were eight to six. So we were starting at eight and we weren't finished till six. And I suppose the socialised, social, socialising after... I suppose we got to learn about all the different cultures of how they grow their wheat and how they grow their crops and how they milk their cows. Like, I suppose we learned that when we went over straight away, the first thing that was told to us that they don't milk cows in Slovakia. And I couldn't believe it when I heard they they don't milk cows in Slovakia. And then they were on about, they were talking to us about how we milk our cows and the big numbers that we have and... It was it was it was an absolute unbelievable experience. It was absolutely unbelievable, and even learning about all their different cultures and all that was absolutely un- unbelievable. Well, Wayne Smith from <coughs> Moore, thanks very much for joining me in studio tonight to tell me all about your experience with the agro competition, and best of luck in your future as well. I'm sure we'll hear from you again soon. Still to come, we are going to be hearing from the Irish Road Haulage Association, who is looking for an exemption to be able to assist farmers to get the grain crops in on time. If there is something that you want to say tonight, you can do so by texting by texting or sending a WhatsApp to 083 30 10 103. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore, supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Jim says that we had good farming practices pre the 1970s. The funding the county councils gave to uh, by paying rates to farmers who had their own machines, used rotational methods and had a unique product, had much, much more. Well, do you agree? If you have something that you want to say tonight, you can send a text or WhatsApp to 083 30 10 103. Now, hauliers and farmers are seeking an exemption on the working hour restrictions to be able to finish the grain harvest. Ger Highland, who's the incoming president of the Irish Road Haulage Association, says the amount of rainfall this year means that there's only a small window to get the produce into storage, otherwise it won't be fit for purpose. The owner of Highland Transport in Rosenalis has been speaking with Will Faulkner and says while driver safety is paramount, they only want a few extra hours for the next month. It's within the remit of the Department's Transport and the Road Hodges, or the, the RSA uh, to allow for a remit on driver's hours regulations, uh, a derogation on it, um, due to exceptional circumstances. So... This year, with the amount of rainfall we've had in July, with the continuing um, adverse conditions to uh, harvesting, they're only getting a window maybe a two or three hours. Uh, some days to harvest, more days they're not. Um, the very mild, humid conditions. So as soon as the grain is harvested, it needs to be got to a grain dryer. There's a very short space of time there before grain starts heating in trailers and starts deteriorating. Our malt and barley, uh, our wheat, our milling wheat, all that type of stuff has to be dried within a short space of time after coming off the combine or else it won't be fit for human consumption. So... 
uh, with the IFA and ourselves, we went to the Department of Transport looking for a derogation on the driving times. Bearing in mind that it's it's for a month um, to get the harvest from the farms to the, the grain dryers. Okay, can uh, we just clarify mind, what is being asked for? So the 12-hour restriction... Is it that you want drivers to be behind the wheel for more than 12 hours? Or no, is it that you no. want them to just be on call, so to speak, for more than 12 hours? On, on call for more than 12 hours. Our drivers can only drive a limited number of hours a day. They can drive for nine hours in any given day and they have to take their breaks within that time as well. So we're looking for an extra couple of hours, for example... If a haulier starts this morning or a driver starts this morning, he drops the trailer to a farmer at 8 o'clock this morning, he cannot move that trailer after 8 o'clock this evening. Now, even because if he has he, spent or she has spent a few hours waiting for the weather conditions to be suitable or whatever other complications, they simply cannot go beyond that 12 hours, um, regardless of how much time was spent behind the wheel. That's correct. Okay, I'm with yeah. you. I'm with so, you. even over the weekends, if you have a driver drops trailer to a farmer this morning, and the farmer fills that trailer this evening at six or seven o'clock, the driver has been sitting at home all day waiting for the phone call. The phone call comes at eight o'clock this evening. He can't take that trailer until tomorrow because his his working time is up, is up. It's only to get an extra couple of hours driving time a day for a month. That's all. If we went for a two-month derogation, we would have to go to the EU to get it. It's in the, the it's within the, re, the remit of the RSA and the Department of Transport to give this. Now, to be fair to the RSA and the Department of Transport, they did go to the Department of Agriculture and the Department of Agriculture said, what crisis? We don't see a problem with the grain harvest. So, obviously, somebody has got their, their wires crossed somewhere along the line. Well, reading a statement from uh, the Department of Transport, they say the derogation must address an urgent issue and it must be in response to exceptional circumstances. But equally, a derogation should not in any way jeopardise driver or road safety. So, on the former point, you've obviously argued, yes, there is an exceptional circumstance and it's urgent. How do you counter the case that road safety could be jeopardised? If, for instance, somebody works beyond the 12 hours and then they have to show up again the next morning... You know, how much sleep do they need? They must take um, a nine-hour break from the time they stop driving until they can restart again the following morning. Must be a minimum nine hours. And you're not asking to compromise that, are you? No, we're not. No, we're not. Basically, what we're looking for is maybe a couple of hours extra each day that we can get the harvest from the farm to the to the dryer. Now, the, this is only going to affect a small number of hauliers. 
we're not looking for a general uh, derogation across the board. It's only people involved in grain transport and only people transporting grain from the field, from the farm to the grain dryers. Road safety and the safety of our members and the safety of our drivers is of paramount importance to our association. So we would certainly not be advocating anything that we feel would jeopardise the safety of our members or the safety of the general public. And what about you? Are you struggling to get your grain harvest in? Would you like to see this exemption brought in? You can let me know on 083 30 10 103 or send a WhatsApp to that number. Now, in the last week, we also heard from the National Ploughing Association, who is defending cashless ticketing at this year's championship. It says it has made moves solely based on health and safety grounds in order to get an accurate headcount. The event takes place in Rathaneska from September 19th and Anna-Marie McHugh from the MPA says no alternatives have been put forward so cashless ticketing is the future. People can buy their ticket right up until the morning that they're going to the event. They can buy it in the car park when, when they're there. They don't have to buy it a month in advance. But this is a completely health and safety driven measure. So what do you think? Have you gone cashless or is it a case that cash is king in your area, that you still use your checkbook and that this is going to majorly inconvenience you when you go to the ploughing championships this year? Are they right to do it this way? Do you believe that it's on health and safety grounds? You can get in touch with me this evening. Do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad. Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost. Why wait? Text hello to 51777 or visit kingsbridgeprivatehospital.com for further information. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. This is Country Life and I'm Sinead Hubble. I'm filling in for MJ Cleary, who will be back next Wednesday from 7. Next, we're going to talk about um, what Minister Charlie McConnell-Logue announced earlier this month, a grant for succession planning. It's to help farmers over the age of 60 to look for help in planning their future to avoid financial hardship. James Farrell from IFAC in Tullamore has more details about how this initiative is going to work. Good evening, James. Hi, um, Sinead. How are you? How are you keeping Good. Thanks very much for joining me this evening. Now, this can often be a very difficult subject to discuss. So is that why farmers tend to put it off? Um, Yeah, possibly. Um, Look, it can be difficult for loads of different reasons, I suppose, family dynamics. And it's very hard maybe at times for parents to make a decision as to who the farm successor is going to be. you know, like tax is obviously important as are the legal matters, but primarily that discussion and that succession discussion starts around the kitchen table at home. Uh, and that can be the hardest bit to, to actually get, get going and get moving on. And yeah, you're right there. That it can be difficult just to begin that conversation. And what kind of details do you need to go into this plan? Well, look, I mean, obviously with IFAC, yeah, primary focus is on the tax end of it. And that's why it's very welcome, this new grant that's been announced by the department in terms of €1,500 um, of a grant towards your tax and, and legal advice around succession. Um, 
the first thing that we do we just say in terms of been involved in those discussions with the family is the tax is obviously very important and a key part to it. But it can't be the driver. Um, you know, you can't put the, the the cart before the horse. First is what the family wants and wants to achieve out of the process, and then a tax plan comes in behind that. Sometimes people can come and say, look, what's the best thing to do tax-wise? That's not the starting point. The starting point has got to be, what do you want to achieve out of this? What is your end goal? And then the tax plan follows. And what does the new grant entail? How does somebody go about getting the grant? The full detail isn't out on that yet, but I expect it'll be something along the lines of the grant that's available there and the setup of registered farm partnerships as well, where it'll be an online application within the department's uh, website where you can just upload your invoices and your receipts uh, and get it paid that way. But the full detail hasn't, hasn't actually been announced in relation to how you go about claiming that grant yet. And will farmers have to make a will as well, or is this succession plan, will that be enough? I know, like, the will is vital. Um, like, farmers, no matter how well or bad your farm is doing, you're sitting on a large asset value, generally, as a farmer, in the land, the stock, the machinery. Um, and, look, without proper planning and without proper tax advice, there can often be significant inheritance tax and gift tax uh, and capital gains tax issues arising from um, any proposed transfer. If you're not transferring your, the land in your lifetime, it's vital that you have a will in place to avoid any um, any unnecessary hardship at the end. And when it comes to inheritance tax, how much do, you know, is there a figure that people have to pay or is it over... A certain once it goes over a certain amount that it it increase the percentage of it increases. So any child can receive from their parents in their lifetime three hundred and thirty five thousand tax free. Um, anything above that then is subject to tax of thirty three percent. Specifically, when it comes to agricultural assets, there's specific reliefs available there. The main one being agricultural relief. And what agricultural relief basically does is allows you to reduce the taxable value of a gift of agricultural property to 10% of market value. In other words, if you have a farm that's worth, say, a 100-acre typical farm worth a million euro, a million would obviously be well above the 335,000, and there's tax in behind that. But where the beneficiary, the recipient of the land, the child, the son or the daughter, is entitled to agricultural relief, it reduces the taxable value of the land from a million down to 100,000, and 100,000 is then below the 335,000 threshold. And when it comes in, if somebody comes in to sit down to have this chat with you, where do you start? With their intention, as I said, that's that's key. What What is the end goal? What are we trying to achieve here? So, you know, um, if we get into the tax scenarios and that, you can find yourself where tax is driving us. And, you know, that can't be the case. It has to be the parents' wish, the landowners' wish as to how they want to see uh, the land divided and set, um, you know, and then all the other stuff falls in behind that in terms of agriculture relief, stamp duty relief that are there, capital gains tax relief, fair deal, all of that kind of stuff then comes in. But the starting point is always and should always be what's the end goal? What are we trying to achieve here? What does the family want out of the process? And how does somebody apply for the succession planning advice grant? 
again, I don't think the details are fully out on that. I certainly haven't seen them yet, um, but I'd expect it will be something along the lines of the how you apply for the grant if you're setting up a registered foreign partnership, which is it's an online application within the Department of Ag, um, uploading receipts and invoices. And the IFAX 2023 annual farm report found that 64% of farmers survey didn't have a successor in place and that 90% of them had little or no understanding of the fair deal nursing home scheme. What are the other areas that you come across on a regular basis that farmers don't know about the tax breaks that they can avail of or information that they're not aware of? And look, all those tax breaks, which I've said to see well affair with because we deal with the volume of farmers that we do up and down the length and breadth of the country. It could be income tax reliefs, uh, succession tax reliefs, all of those reliefs. Uh, some, a lot of farmers are very good and they know them inside out, but a lot rely completely on their advisors. So depending on the advisor and their knowledge of the release then comes into play massively. But I think that's that in the farm report that 64% of farmers haven't considered succession. That, that probably bears out pretty similar across most businesses. The problem with a farming point of view is again the asset value that's there. So it's vital on farm setups that succession and succession taxes are considered as early as possible. And really you need to be looking at that in your 50s if possible. Uh, now that grant kicks in at 60, but you know, you should be tackling this um, as early as possible, as early as you can. So you should be planning ahead for the future, no matter what absolutely. age you really are. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And James, just another subject I wanted to touch on. We heard um, the National Ploughing Championship is going cashless. And there was also an article in the Irish Independent this week from Hannah Quinn Mulligan about cashless society and how cash is still king mainly in rural Ireland. Would you find that among farmers then as well, that they would still prefer to use cash on their checkbook rather than um, using um, mobile banking? Uh, cash in farming is there's not huge to be honest no uh, I can't remember the last time uh, we received cash to pay our fees or to um, you know it's either check or card and and probably at this stage it's swaying more towards the card than it is um, check even at this stage so um Look, it's very difficult to, you know, a lot of businesses to deal in cash, whether it be pubs and shops and that, but farmers, generally the mark will pay you directly into your bank account. The department will pay you into your bank account. The creamery will pay you into your bank account if it's milk that you're supplying as well. So um, cash and farming is probably, it's been on the way out now for a good while. So all the uproar we've heard over the last week about the National Ploughing Championships going cashless is more of a storm in a teacup than anything. Um. I would, that would be my view, whether I, I'd be appreciated for that view or not now is another thing, but yeah. <laughs> well, James, James Farrell from IFAC until more before I get you in any more trouble, I should let you go. Thanks very much Thanks for joining me this there. evening. Take care. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. 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 That was James Farrell from IFAC here in Tullamore just talking about the new grant that is becoming available um, to plan the future of your farm. Uh, Charlie McConaughey McConnellogue launched this um, er- earlier this month and there's going to be more detail coming. Um, uh, applications will open on the 19th of September if you want to find out more. I also want to hear your thoughts on the National Ploughing um, 
championships going cashless. The Irish Rural Association uh, disagrees that this year's ticketing is uh, cashless. Spokesperson Jackie Flannery says cash is a legal tender, therefore it should be accepted. People that have been travelling for years and years and years, not alone to the ploughing championship, but to a lot of other events as well, that they can't use their cash. And I mean, at the end of the day, we're still using cash as a legal tender. Let me know what you think on 083 30 10 103. You can send a text or WhatsApp to that number and that's with thanks to the Lamb Brothers Toyota on the Arden Road in Tullamore. You can join Midlands today for the weekly feature Hours to Protect every Thursday morning where we take a look at how to create a greener and more sustainable future. Hours to Protect is brought to you by Midlands 103, the IBI and funded by Commissioner Man with the television licence fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info and you can also listen back on the pods podcast section of midlands103.com Country Life on Midlands 103 Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands worshaw.ie Bernie sent a message to 3301103 and she says it's nonsense about the Ploughing Championship becoming cashless. It's not a health and safety issue. It's just more convenient for them as they don't want the bother of dealing with cash. Once it comes in, it's here to stay. People should leave it to the NPA and not bother going at all. Well, what do you think? Will you still go to the National Ploughing Championships this year or are you put out by the fact that they are going cashless? You can let me know also on 083 30 10 103. Now, this weekend, it's the 180th Moat Agri Show and organisers say that they actually have something to suit every member of the family. Reggie Mitchell is here to tell us more. Good, e- good evening, Reggie. Well, it's the 180th show. It's a special year for us. It's a long time since 1839 when the first show was held. And uh, it's all taking place next Sunday on the 27th of August here in Moat. And I suppose one of the big things always at it every year is the All-Ireland Philly Fall Championship. I believe there's 22 finalists competing for the title of the Champion Fall of the All-Ireland Philly Fall Championships. And as well, special this year is that we have been chosen as the show to host the first National Vegetable Society of Ireland Championship Show. This is an event that is held in in England at Harrogate and in uh, uh, York up in Scotland and another one in Wales. And Ireland is the first time that they have hosted it in this country and Moat Show is the one that's going to be hosting this championship. And Reggie, how did you manage to swing that one? Well, the Vegetable Society has been, well, reasonably active. They participate a lot at the Tullamore Show and uh, a few of us got together, were members of it that grow vegetables for showing that it would be nice to have the championship in Ireland as there's some fabulous shows in England with those vegetables and the carrots that grow three foot long and three, four and five foot onions and all that kind of thing, so... They said, why not have one in Ireland? And this is the first time it's been in, it's coming to Ireland and it'll be in Moat. So it was a great achievement to get it and we're looking forward to a spectacular display of all types of vegetables on the, on the day. Reggie, I'm always very jealous of people who can grow, grow vegetables. My own dad was a potato farmer, but he didn't pass on any skill sets to me. 
Is there any particular things that you need to do if you're growing particularly to show at agri shows around the country? Uh, it's, it's something that, you know, it, it, there's a lot of work goes into producing show vegetables. I mean, it's not everybody is going to grow if you have a garden and just hopefully I'm going to grow a carrot that's three foot long or something like that. It, there's a lot of work goes into, they are all usually grown in barrels or in pipes and the all trained and special compost is used and special seed got to use to grow them and some of them are grown in tunnels and others are, it's a complete uh, really art in itself to, and there's a lot of secrets about how to grow them so well You're not going to share any with us are you? <laughs> well it'd take me a long time to go through all the, the details and all the things but it's a lot of the particularly the carrots and the parsnips are yeah, the fascination how they can get them to particularly parsnips up to four and five foot long and all that kind of thing. And That's incredible. Straight, no white and all that kind of thing. Just a fascination with people have of seeing how, how, how large and how long they can grow them and all that, you know. So. And how are entries across the board then for this year's show? Seems to be all very good as far as you can see that there's a, a wonderful show of cattle coming up this year. They, they put in a lot of effort into um, producing a lot of extra prize money and like the um, champion and reserve commercial animal of the show, the first prize winner gets a thousand euro, which is a nice prize to win. And there's calf championships with three hundred euros, and there's heifer, a factory heifer there with five hundred euros first prize, and that. So, I suppose that's what has brought so many cattle. There's upwards of I believe over a hundred cattle entered for the show, and of course there's also the pedigree cattle of the Herefords and the Charley and the Angus are also there as well. So. And of course, you have all the sheep section there with all the different breeds of sheep there as well. And you go right into then the poultry or big end of the show as well. And uh, then you're all into, of course, the home industries with the crafts and the cookery and the flowers and the honey and the art and the children's paintings and all that type of stuff in it as well. And also don't forget the Lego displays. They're some of my favourite entries, the creativity oh, yeah. that and time and effort yeah. that people put into creating them. Yeah, oh yeah, they have that competition there for the children. There's two categories there for uh, or to build their own, to do with a, a kind of an agriculture theme on the um, on the creations of Lego and that kind of thing. And that. So then on the entertainment side of it, then they have a driving contest going on in the afternoon. And then there's also the cowboy roadshow. And at 3.30 then Robert Mazel takes to the stage to, to entertain everybody. Then there's children's games, pony rides, face painting, and there's also a lovely summer market there where there'll be a lot of traditional crafts and food and all that kind of thing put on show as well. I believe there's around the 30 stands booked in for that, which will be a lot of local producers of, you know, some nice craft work and food and all that type of thing. And then there's also a food village then as well where they'll have all different types of food that can be sampled at the show and that stuff. You, you certainly weren't in line when you said there was something for all the family. Uh, Reggie, are you still taking entries for the competitions or have oh, uh, yeah, they closed? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now the uh, entries, of course, to be catalogued, they all finished yesterday evening. But other than that, they still keep taking the entries no matter whether you want to enter cattle or horses or poultry or cookery or crafts or flowers or whatever you want to enter. They can still, still all do so, no problem at all. We take it right up until the morning of the show and that, so... There's no problem. And there's also, of course, a lot of pony jumping and hunter tra- um, working hunter competitions. And, of course, the 
ever popular dog show, which is, of course, a fierce popular at every show. There's 18 classes for dogs that show, and it gets off around one o'clock on the day. So that should, um, it's usually a very, very popular section in the show. But a lot of people now have dogs and so forth. So it's also, um, um, that I think is more or less the um, the rundown of the whole thing. And it all gets underway, as I say, roughly around nine o'clock next Sunday morning, hopefully, and hopefully the sun shines. Yes, uh, a couple of shows fell victim to the weather earlier on and obviously there's nothing that you can do but put out the Child of Prague um, for for it. But hopefully um, all will go well. And like there's a lot of work that goes into organising an event uh, like this. So I'm sure the committee are really busy at the moment preparing the grounds. Oh, yes. yes. A lot of the marquees all went up today. And that, so now it's the work starts on laying out the whole thing. And then we have to do a particular effort this year to make sure that the... Uh, National Vegetable Society Championship looks well and it's in a special marquee on its own and that so it should look the part when all these prize vegetables are because there's people coming from all over the country and it's even we have even two English judges coming over to judge the competition and uh, that and there'll be as I say exhibitors probably some from even from the UK as well taking part in it and well so it should have a, a wonderful display of quality vegetables that they was being grown as a from literally from Cork to Donegal, really, that's what it is. You know, so. Well, Reggie, yeah. it seems like you have an amazing uh, show planned for Sunday. So, if anybody is in the area, to make sure that they get uh, themselves to moat uh, to find out more. Well, that's all I have time for this evening. As I said, MJ Cleary will be back next Wednesday from seven. Alex Rowe is up next when he'll be talking to Margot. Good evening and have a good night. Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore, supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. WOrshaw.ie